Thank you for listening to the Dead Sea Podcast with your host, Daishik Kim. This sucks. So we're on episode two with uh, my friend, Henny. Henny, that's, that's how you say your name, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I'm, al- I'm always scared every time I say hi to you that pronunciation of names are very important to me because my name is unusual too. I'm sure you get the wrong way to say it all. The yeah, time. What I are have some a weird professor who calls <laughs> me honey and I'm like, professor, I'm professor not your here, honey. You show a lot of grace when people call you different things, but yeah. one thing you hate is honey. <laughs> I do. Like you like call me whatever. I'll correct you, you know, if we're close, but if you call me honey, I am not responding to you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm here with my friend Hanny. When I first entered seminary, it was announced to everybody that uh, this guy from Egypt is coming to our seminary to study. And he was a local celebrity before he even came. And then he just comes in and it helps that he's very charismatic. It helps that uh, he's very warm and welcoming. And that celebrity status has stuck with him, at least at SPU. No, not really. <laughs> um, I'm always nervous when I'm uh, interviewed or, or uh, recording because my language, uh, my mother tongue is Arabic and right. um, English is a second language for me. So I, I have so many funny and embarrassing stories uh, <laughs> trying to learn English and use it. Uh, one, one funny story is um, that in the Arabic alphabet, we don't have the vowel or the voice P. All our letters is B's, and so you would say, I bark my car because <laughs> you don't have the P. And right. uh, one time I was hosting um, two uh, American uh, visitors, and um, I was going to meet them the next morning. And I was very uh, intentional to use my P's because I know that Arabic does not have that, and English has it, and it's, it's a big difference. So I was practicing my, my, my use of the letter P, and um, I was meeting them the next morning at 8 a.m. So I, I, I met them at the airport, and, and then I said, okay, friends, I will pee at your place at 8 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the guy looked at me <laughs> with a straight face and said, okay, I will make sure the bathroom is available. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was nice about it, at least. Yes. He didn't yeah. even laugh or anything. No. Very respectful. Later, he did uh, point it out, and, and that was so... Did you pee at his place? <laughs> I didn't. Right. So you lied to him. <laughs> but you arrived at eight. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> so you've been here for about a year, like we just mentioned, mm-hmm. um, and making an adjustment, being, um, you know, heading into seminary. Have you been to America before? No, that's here? my first uh, time in Dallas. So your first time arriving in Seattle, stepping off the plane. I mean, w- what did you think? I'm sure you've heard about America many, many times. You watch movies about it, listen to music. Yeah, actually, I had. Uh, I it it was quite um, a miracle for me to come because um, lots of people in Egypt wants to come to America and really. Um, Every day at the American embassy in Cairo, the capital of Egypt, you see hundreds are waiting for the interviews to get the visa. And uh, the day I went to the embassy, um, the, the waiting line was 280 people. Wow. Um, 
So we stood in a long, long line, uh, and they tried as much as they can to arrange the crowds. And um, and the guy at the, the window of the interviews was very uh, in a bad mood that day. Uh-huh. And so he had one stamp in his hand, which is the red stamp, the rejection. And he would refuse, 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 and reject, reject, reject one person uh, after the other. And... Uh, I saw that, and I saw I, I thought, okay, it seems like my chances in getting a visa is very low. And um, the person right before me was a student called Muhammad, and he was applying to get a, a student visa, F1 visa, to become an aviation uh, student to be a pilot. He had the, all the paperwork. He had his I-20 acceptance from a, a, a university in the U.S., but the guy rejected him too, although he had a bank account of almost one million Egyptian pounds. He was a rich kid, but he was also a mean kid. He broke into a fight with the, uh, with the embassy employee. And I, once I saw the fight, I said, okay, Hanny, bye-bye, SPU, bye-bye. Right, he was already Seattle. mad. He was already mad, and this guy just made it worse. And yeah. he didn't want to leave after he got rejected. And he kept dealing at the, the embassy employer employee. So he had to ask the guards, the security of the embassy, to come and take him by force. And I was right be- after that. I was the one in the row, right? Uh, and so I was going in with a realization in me that I'm not getting the visa today, and it's okay. And I said, okay, God... Your will be done. I, I, I want your will in that. And, um, and, and it was crazy. The guy was so, his face was red from all the yelling. But when he asked me, why, Hani, why are you going to America? And I said, I'm going to study in the seminary. He smiled. And I'm like, whoa, is that guy a Christian? Why is he smiling at the thought of me studying at the seminary? And, uh, and it w- the amazing thing is he didn't ask for any paper, any letters of recommendation, any uh, proof of residence, anything, any bank account. And he just took my word uh, for it. And in like five minutes, I, I had the, uh, the, the stamp approving my visa. And, and really, I felt God's hand in that, that God is approving this season in my life to come to the U.S., Give a little background for the people listening. It's uh, Egypt, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not a it's not what you would call a Christian friendly place. No. So you saying, you know, you being honest with him even surprises me. He's like, I'm going to seminary. Yeah. To me, that's just like, whoa, man! Like you already know you might not get it, and you're gonna tell him that you're gonna study Christian studies, you're gonna study theology. Yeah. And so you're upfront with that. Um, give a little background on Egypt. Yeah, Egypt is uh, predominantly Muslim, and uh, we have big sects of uh, fundamentalist Muslims who believe in dying for the cause of prospering Islam, um, and and uh, they are what we can name uh, jihadists who believe in the jihad, and and uh, Egypt was originally a Christian country before the the rise of Islam and the spread of Islam throughout the Middle East. Uh, Egypt was predominantly Coptic Orthodox and and, and, uh, an ancient, deeply rooted uh, Christian heritage and tradition 
uh, of the Coptic Eastern Orthodox Church, but after Islam came into the country with all the persecution, with all the people who had to leave and flee out of their homes, uh, Christianity dropped um, prominently, dropped in a very major way. And now, uh, after it was a predominantly Christian country with a minority of uh, pagan, uh, pagan people or pagan worshippers, now it's almost 90 plus Islam and uh, about 8 to 10 percent Christians in a, in a nation that is 90 million people in population. Wow. So it's not easy to be a Christian because there are lots of the Muslim Brotherhood and Salafi Muslims who believe in, in Islam in a way that you you should embrace Islam so I can accept you, but I will not accept you as you are because you are an infidel. And uh, I had, since I was a, a kid, I had a Coptic Orthodox tattoo on my uh, wrist, and uh, it caused me lots of troubles, lots of problems, even during school, lots of harassment, lots of persecution. I heard m words of insult and cussing because I am a Christian. Um... And even more, I, uh, in 2013, I got into big problem because of my uh, house. My Muslim neighbor broke into my house and uh, took it by force because that was the time of riots. Uh, as the outset, it was the outset of the Muslim Brotherhood uh, president, Mohammed Morsi. And um, that was a very tough time for us, all the Christians in Egypt, as... Uh, Muslim riots burned down uh, 72 churches all over the country. One of them was a church I ministered at in a village nearby my town. Uh, so you can imagine, it's not easy to live in a, a third world country that has a predominant Muslim population and uh, has um, lots of misconceptions and hatred toward Christians. I mean, I can ask about a thousand questions from that. I mean, one of the things you mentioned, your neighbor broke into your house. Is yeah. this somebody you knew before? Yeah, yeah. At uh, uh, This house I was born and raised at, and uh, it was an old house. So at a, a certain point, uh, we had to close it and move into an apartment building so we can uh, see what we do in this house. And, uh, and this neighbor of mine, I, I, uh, he has been living there since I was born, and... Uh, he was a very good friend of my dad, but dad passed away in 2011. And uh, and this guy is a Muslim fanatic, and uh, he had a dream of uh, establishing the Muslim Caliphate by the, the, the reign of the president uh, of the Muslim Brotherhood, Muhammad Morsi. And when this dream was taken away from them in the 1st of July in 2013, that, there was madness all over. I had, a, I had many friends in my local town their shops was burned down and they were stolen by their neighbors, like people that you greet in the morning every day. And and on this specific day, when they saw their Muslim, their Islamic dream is being taken from them, they just poured out their anger towards uh, Christians because they saw the, the, the Pope of the Coptic Orthodox Church supporting the military coup or the, the revolution at this time that took out the Muslim uh, Brotherhood uh, president after one year of his uh, rule. So uh, so it was tough. It was hard for me. 
And uh, by many people, I saw God's grace in that, honestly, uh, that he protected me. I, I would open my cell phone and I would see 40 missed calls uh, from this guy threatening me wow. because he was uh, he doesn't he didn't want me to go to the local police and actually the 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 police station at this time was burned down too and all the the armed arms at all the guns was stolen so we didn't have a local police station for uh, seven days at the time because of the riots so uh, it was a hard time but honestly I saw God's hand in an amazing way and in how he can really give favor to his children uh, in times of riots. I was not hurt physically, maybe emotionally, and it was it was severe, but God is able to heal the wounds after that, yeah. Are, are they, tar- were they targeting just Christians? Christians only, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So these radical groups, right? And, um, and, and we're not sitting here to be anti-Islam, but these are radical groups in Egypt that decided to and honestly, Retaliate. to be fair, it's it's uh, not the whole population. It's it's uh, it's a minority group of the population, but uh, they are influential because because what they do is just loud, and it makes the first uh, page in the news always because the atrocities they they commit. And I'm sure the media is similar to the media in America. They they want to put on the front mm-hmm. the big things, right? Yes. The, yes. The crime, the violence, all of that is just plastered on the front page of the news. Yes, and and there are millions of Muslims who are moderate, who are loving and peaceful people who live in Egypt. Uh, but you know, pe- the media wants always to, and it's it's true. They have a story and they they uh, put the light on it. A little background about you: you're involved in church planning when you're back in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you been doing the church planning, underground church planning? Yeah. So, um, so I have a, a my undergrad education is pharmacy, and I always uh, was strongly uh, involved in my my local church, and my pastor had a vision to towards evangelism and reaching out to share the gospel with Muslims, but also to reach out and share the gospel in. Uh, the villages where there is Christian population and there is no church buildings. Uh, it's it's ridiculous in Egypt to get to build a church. You need an approval from the president himself, not from the local uh, city council. You need the signature of the president to build a single church in a village. And they are tightening the, the influence of the church because they don't want the spread of Christianity happening in a Muslim country. So we have... 24,000 villages that have Christian people living in it, but no church buildings. So you can imagine it's a huge uh, mission field for us because these Christians uh, are very influenced by the Islamic ideology and they don't know much about the Bible because they don't have a pastor or a shepherd who takes care of them. So uh, I have always had a heart to reach out to these people, my people, Christian people, but also to to the Muslim friends uh, who go to school with me I and I love them and I want to tell them about Jesus who saved my life and who gave me hope and eternal life uh, and, and who gives love instead of the hatred because I saw how severe their anger and fury. Um, so the God made a way for me uh, that I worked in medical missions uh, during the pharmacy school that we would travel in groups uh, to a very poor, unreached 
village and we would establish a medical um, R RV uh, where we did clinics, portable uh, stuff, and we would do a portable pharmacy uh, and we give free medicine. And uh, we served Muslims and Christians, but also we handed out tracts and the Bibles. Um, and I saw how amazing the impact of not just the word of God, but also to physically help the people and alleviate their poverty by providing them with uh, free medications and medical care. Um, and um, after graduating from pharmacy school, I worked at a pharmacy in Cairo, the capital. And uh, I, I always made sure to have uh, CDs and tracts and Bibles to give out to the customers while I am working. And one day I had this man coming visiting and he was a white American and he was very sick. But I had an idea about America from the Hollywood movies that they are all about, you know, women and, and alcohol. and, and Sex, they are, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, they need Jesus. And um, I, so <laughs> I started talking to this guy and sharing about Jesus. And he just listened. And after like 10, 15 minutes, he said, praise the Lord. And I'm like, who are you? Aren't you one of these Americans that, that I see? Right, aren't you a heathen? <laughs> he said, no, I am, I am a missionary. I am a, I am a pastor. And I got lost. And I am I am walking around. I got lost in the in the in these streets, and I came into the pharmacy to get a medication. And it's not a coincidence that I I, I see this young man who is sharing the gospel in his, in the pharmacy he works at. And so we became very good friends. And for months he would visit me, and he um, bought me and my first new English Bible, mm -hmm. and. Um, and his vision was the same as my vision. He wanted to share the gospel and uh, he wanted to reach out to unreached villages through house church planting. And so uh, after a year of our friendship, he said, Hanny, I know you are a pharmacist, and uh, but we want you to be with us. We want you to join uh, the Free Methodist World Missions, our, our organization, and uh, he gave me an official job uh, offer, and uh, it was amazing. It was a blessing for me because now I can do what I really am passionate about. He gave uh, you the resources now. He gave me the resources, exactly. Mm -hmm. The support. He supported me and also the education. I would travel, and I would translate from Arabic into English uh, in the Bible colleges. So I would, I, I felt, I fell in love with theology. Uh, as, as they taught in the Wesleyan Bible College in the seminary, and I translated, and I, I thought... You're wow. learning while you're working. Exactly. I'm learning while translating. So it was a blessing. It was a timely uh, intervention from God uh, through His grace. Yeah. Right. Was that the same pastor that you worked with that sent you to America to study? Yes. Pastor Blakewood <laughs> is, is one of the favorite people uh, in my life. And honestly, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, I appreciate his heart because he would come into the pharmacy I worked at and would stay, sit with me for an hour weekly um, to just disciple me, to read the Bible with me, to study the Bible together. And uh, it was because of this intentionality that he had to work with an Egyptian pharmacist, a Christian, um, to learn the to teach the Bible and to learn together, um, because of this f relationship, I felt okay. I am gonna leave the pharmacy and I'm gonna work with this uh, 
man because uh, I saw his heart and I saw how educated he is, but also I saw his intentionality to reach out, the mission-oriented mindset. So you, you're here now. Yep. And then you've been here for a year, like we mentioned in the beginning, um, supported by Pastor Blake, the mm -hmm. church. Mm -hmm. Being here, man, looking around, Christianity is a little different in America, right? Oh, big time. So um, I'm sure there, there are good things. So, you know, this quote-unquote religious freedom in America mm -hmm. where no one's going to break into your house for being a Christian. Yes. Maybe for other reasons, but definitely not because you're a Christian. Yeah. What are some of the things that, I mean, you notice being a Christian here? Because now you, Henny, even though you're from Egypt, you're now an American Christian because you're on American soil now. Mm -hmm. What are some good things you saw or see? What are some frustrations that you face? Yeah, I, I see... Lots of blessings that God blessed America with. Uh, one of it is, is being a haven. America is an, a country where persecuted people can flee to. I mean, um, I've just, uh, yesterday I received an email um, from a friend telling me about an Iranian Muslim refugee who came to the Lord and he had to flee Iran because uh, he cannot live there anymore because of the punishment of apostasy in Islam is death. So he and his family would be killed because they embraced Jesus and Christianity. So America is a country where you can come to and you can be safe mm. uh, if you are a Muslim background believer, what we call MBB. But also in America, there's the time and space for us to learn more about God. And, and, and for me personally, to access resources that are not available in Egypt because of all the restrictions, to be bold and share the gospel with Muslims, the Muslim diaspora in America with freedom more than I in Egypt. Because in Egypt, there is the secret police, there is the persecution, there is the fear of death and jail. But here in America, I, there is a sense of comfort. And comfort is good but sometimes it's uh, a mixed blessing. It's sometimes it's a, a, a double-edged weapon. Sometimes it, it's harmful because when the church grow comfortable, there is a sense of complacency and there is a sense of, oh, we will go to church once a day, once a week, one day a week, and for one hour. And if it's more than one hour, people get become frisky and become, oh, agitated. Yeah, that in sermon Egypt, better not be longer than 20 minutes. Exactly. In Egypt, we went to church. And I'm not saying that Egyptians are heroes and champions. No, the Egyptian Christianity and on the Middle East, also the Middle East Christianity had lots of uh, its own drawbacks. But I there is a sense of comfort and complacency. Um in Egypt, in my local church, we went to church every night. Every night there was a church meeting, and it would go for two hours. And the sermon, the 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 shortest sermon is forty minutes. Um, there is a sense of there is a sense of urgency in Egypt because of the persecution. You know that life is short. Uh, two months ago, we all heard of the story of the twenty-one Coptic martyrs who were killed because of their faith in in Libya. So Christians see in the Middle East that life is short. They were 20 uh, plus year old, 30 plus year old. They were in the midst of their youth, but they were killed for their faith. And uh, there is a sense of persecution and suffering that draws you closer to God. 
people in Egypt and uh, Syria and Iraq are crying out to God because of all the, the disturbance and the, the atrocities and all the, the war crimes and the, 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 the pain. People are crying out to God. I, I pray for the church in America here to become aware of the blessings and, and to seize the, the chance to, to engage the kingdom work through working with the unreached here in America. So many people who need Jesus, so millions of people who are coming. The mission field is coming into America. Muslims in millions, uh, Hindus, Buddhists, from all over the world, you have all diversity. And, di and, and diversity is beautiful here. So I, I pray that the church in America will have a sense of consciousness, a sense of awakening to engage the kingdom work on the land in America. And I'm sure you being here right now, right? Um, and you just mentioned the news a couple months ago with the martyrs in Libya. Um, and you reading these news, it's not like, you know, for me reading them, I can only start to imagine what it's like. Yeah. But, but that, that's your upbringing. Yeah. That's, that was your life yeah. before moving here less than a year ago. Yeah. Are there times where you read these things? Um, I mean, you mentioned comfort yeah. and safe haven that America is. Yeah. On one hand, yeah, you're, you're safe right now while exactly. you're studying, while you're supported, yes. which is a beautiful thing. It's a miracle in itself. You getting the visa was huge. Mm. But on the other hand, do you ever feel like, you know, wrestling with yourself? Yes. God, should I be there still? Should I be in America in comfort yes. for three to four years while my brothers and sisters are being persecuted continuously? When I, when I was there also being persecuted at the same time, helping them, yes. equipping them, yes. but now I'm here. What is some of that thought process like? There is always the sense of uh, sadness because of the heartbreaking news you are receiving about your people being persecuted. There is a survival guilt because um, in Egypt, we, we are proud of the martyrs. We are proud of people dying for their faith. And we hold them up high as, as the best. The best a Christian can get to is to become a martyr because it's an honor to die for your faith. And it's, it was amazing to see these 21 young men and they were proud to die for Jesus. And uh, I, I could hear in the videos, the guy was, one of them was praying, Lord Jesus Christ, accept me today when I come in your kingdom. It's, it's um, a great faith in the face of death. And so I feel like uh, we are a shame on our culture. So I feel shame a little bit because I am not there. Um, but I feel honored because I am one of these people. Uh, right, that's always going to be you. So the, yeah, so it's, it's, it's this tension. It's this tension of they died. It's, it's heartbreaking. And I, I struggle with questions of theodicy and why God allows it. But also, uh, I see the, the, the great impact of this news. Many of my Muslim friends denounced Islam and they are atheists now because of that. They would say, if Islam is doing that, I am not a Muslim anymore. And mm. I see it as one step closer to the light, one step towards the kingdom, one step towards 
uh, an awakening. So being here, I saw God's hand bringing me. I saw a miracle taking place. So I know I am here for a season and I'm, I'm here for a reason. I am here and to be equipped to study of the time and space without the busyness of ministry. Back, back home, I have now a space to study and to equip myself. But I also, I have uh, a great calling to reach out to Muslims. And here, I see lots of Muslim students. And, and, and Pastor Blakewood at First Free is really very intentional about reaching out to Muslims. And this is warming to my heart because I see that God brought me and I, I speak the language and I know Quran uh, well enough to engage in conversations that are kingdom Where you focused. you speak their holy texts. Exactly, holy exactly. And I have memorized as a kid lots of their holy texts because you hear it from the mosque, from the loudspeakers five times a day. So even if you are not intentional about memorizing it, you will memorize it uh, anyway. So, so I, I see that there is a mission field in the U.S. as well to reach out to Muslims. You know, I just want to let you know that even for myself, who's, I mean, I've been on mission trips, I've been on long-term, short-term, but still, I, I get it, the struggle of comfort. Yes. Being, a, being in America, um, soaking in that comfort. And, and, you know, I go through hardships, but I got to put myself in perspective of someone like yourself, where you're from, where I'm right now, trying to decide what the best church is for me. Yeah. I have the luxury to do that. Yeah. Should I attend church A where these things are good? Should I attend church B where other things are good? Which church can support me the best? And, and these type of questions are ridiculous to somebody in an area where the question is not which church to attend. The question is, are we going to survive today? And even me saying that sounds a little weird. Yeah. Like, what do you mean are we going to survive? Yeah. But that question is very real to you, yeah. to your people. Um, and it's an inspiration to someone like myself where I want to start taking my faith more seriously. I want to be relevant to the American culture where we have the freedom of choice. Yeah. We have the freedom of speech. Yeah. At the same time, still hold on to some traditional values that, that you cling on to because you have to. That, that's who you are. That's your DNA. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're going to step right back into. Mm -hmm. Um, you're going back to Egypt this summer, right? I am. Yeah, yeah. And you're taking a team? I am. I am, which is exciting and scary to me a little bit because uh, I'm taking six white Americans and they stand out. They tend to stand out. Yeah, people know right away. <laughs> yeah, they do. I mean, the blonde hair, you don't see Egyptians with blonde hair at all and uh, blue eyes and uh, light skin. Um, but I, I, I am confident that God will protect us and we will travel a lot. Um, there is still some tension in the atmosphere in Egypt because of the ISIS in Sinai and uh, lots of the Muslim fundamentalists trying to uh, return to the government in a way uh, through using violence. But there is a need, a need to uh, reach out to the Christian leaders working in Egypt to tell them you are not alone and your brothers and sisters in America and the global church is praying for you, is supporting you, and not only through financially sending money overseas, but through coming to you and, and uh, being with you and praying for you 
Um, we will minister through our presence there. We will minister through our uh, education, through our resources. Uh, what are the needs to equip the church in Egypt to be uh, most effective? And so we are going back for, uh, I'm going back for six weeks and my, the team will come for two weeks. And, and it's a blessing to be able to go back home after this uh, awesome. long time in the U.S., yeah. What are What is some advice you can give to Americans who bask in discomfort their whole life and want to, you know, feel a sense of call to be a little radical, yeah. to give up maybe at least two weeks of their lives to go to a country yeah. like Egypt? I'm sure you've witnessed a lot of missionaries stroll through. Yeah. And I'm sure you've witnessed a lot of Americans go through culture shock. Yeah. What are some things uh, you can say to them as they prepare themselves to go? I would say the solution is not to go and give 10 bucks to the first poor kid you see on the street because they don't need your 10 bucks. Yes, they need your 10 bucks, but that's not the solution. Actually, it incre it's increasing the problem. Um, we need to be more intentional on long-term solutions for poverty alleviation and for uh, impacting the kingdom, um, need to open a window of hope to young men and women and in, in, in Christians in Egypt to pursue further education. Education is the a, a, a power uh, that can really make a difference in Egypt. And and in the team I'm going, there is, I have one with doctorate degree and I have all of them has master's degree, uh, degrees, which is, which is not something that many Egyptians do uh, to pursue because you want to make a living. You want to earn a living. So that's one thing I think my team uh, is going to bring to the table is you look at these young folks and they have master's degree. They pursued further education. And how can you do it? You can do it too. It's, it's bringing a message of hope. It's bringing a message of encouragement that to pursue your career, especially women are, are uh, oppressed in, in many ways in Egypt. And I'm taking, in, on my team, there's five young, uh, f there's four young women, and uh, all of them are, are very successful in their careers. And so I want to, my young uh, sisters and, and the young women in the Christian community in Egypt, I want them to see that there is... Um, a dream you can pursue of, of being su successful in your career and your values, not just in being married or in serving uh, at home. We can bring a difference through bring, opening their eyes to a different perspective. Um, so I think that's, that's more of impacting the long term than thinking short term. If you're ever around the Seattle area, Queen Anne area, meet up with this guy. If you're feeling lukewarm, if you're feeling like you need some some sort of motivation with your faith or just in life, um, it's, it's a really, it's an encouragement to talk to you, talk to him, and just be in prayer for him. You know, he's, he's sending a team of six, you said, mm -hmm. to his mother country. Tensions are high. Yes. Tensions are high. I have faith that you're going to come back safely with the team, of course. Um, I, I look forward to spending many years with you here Amen. before uh, you're called somewhere else. But, you know, wherever you stand, whether you're on one side of the wing or the other, in a Christian context at least, um, you, you heard it from Hanny. It's, it's not just him going there and tallying up 
salvation totals or altar calls. He's going there to make long-term differences. Something we can all buy into is these kids need education. These kids need to be fed. These kids need some kind of financial support, sustainable living. And that's what Henny and his team is going to try to continue to do. This is not something new that they're doing this summer. This is, this is a program. This is a support effort that's been happening for many years. And they're just going to help the wheels continue to turn. Henny, hmm. it's, uh, it's been an honor. It's been a pleasure to talk with you to interview with you. We're definitely gonna have you again soon because I wanna hear more stories. Um, we didn't get too much into the, uh, the personal stories. I wanna hear more embarrassing things that you <laughs> went through. Can you see uh, a quick line of blessing in your mother tongue maybe for the listeners? Yeah. Ya Rabb, mbarkak wa b'nashkurak la'annak ilah salih ya Sayyid. Wa b'nsalli ya Rabb min ajla amalak ya Rabb b'fhayatna ya Sayyid. Ta'ala barik ya Rabb, barik al-umru al-kayan ya Rabb, barik كل حد بيسمع الانترفيو دوت يا رب انه يكون بركه في المكان اللي هو فيه في اسم يسوع بصلي امين امين ثانك يو هاني ثانك يو ثانك يو فور ليسنينج تو ذا ديد سي بودكاست ذا ثيم سونج از بيرفورمد باي ذا بوجيز تشيك ذيم اوت اون فيسبوك اور اي تونز ناو